Good morning, everyone. Today's reading is from The Power of Kindness by Piero Ferrucci. It's entitled Mindfulness, The Only Time is Now. In a Taoist story, a middle-aged man has lost his mind. He forgets everything. At night, he can no longer remember what he did during the day. And the next day, he cannot recall the evening before. At home, he forgets to sit. And on the street, he forgets to walk. At every moment, his mind erases what has happened the moment before. His relatives are desperate. They try everything. Doctors, sorcerers, shamans, but nothing works. In the end, Confucius comes and says, I know what the problem is. I have a secret medicine. Leave me alone with him. They do as he asks. The cure takes some time, and no one knows what is happening. At the end, the man recovers his memory. He is cured, but furious. Before, when I forgot everything, my mind was pure and free. Now, it is weighed down with memories. Decades of successes and failures, losses and gains, pleasure and pain. And because I remember the past, I am worried about the future. I felt much better before. Give me back my forgetfulness. So let's forget together. Thank you, Elizabeth. So how many people would like to stand up and sing and pray? Let's do it. Okay. Now. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very room so let us declare and know in this moment and I invite my words to be your words if they fit I open myself in this moment to this infinite divine expression this energetic that, is, that goes by so many names, but it is an energy. And it lives within each and every one of us. It connects us. It animates all of life. It is in and through and as each and every one of us. And so as we choose that and we acknowledge that, I know that that union that we seek is made so clearly apparent in our experience and in our being. That there is nothing else that filters through our consciousness in this moment. And standing in that union with you and standing in that knowing and that standing in that declaration, I know that all good things that are seeking expression by means of each and every one of us has an opportunity to find its way into our awareness and be known. 
And so my declaration is those things are made obvious, so brightly clear that I can choose wisely in my life. I know that this is the moment that I live from, the eternal now. And I give thanks for this community. I give thanks for all the teachers whose shoulders we stand upon. I, I give thanks for the consciousness and the brilliance and the intelligence that we sit with and in and as and through. Not only individually in our collective awareness, but the individual, that individualized expression of the one, but the totality of the one as well. I give thanks for this knowing. I release these words in gratitude, knowing every good thing finds its way into our awareness in the right and perfect way. For this I give thanks, and together we say, and so it is. Please be seated. Thank you. All right, here we are. Welcome. So if you're here for the first time, I'm Reverend Patrick Cameron, and um, I'm the senior minister here, and we are the Center for Spiritual Living, and we're going to talk about that a bit today. Oh, there my books are. Dropped them. I'll just move over here. I'm a trained actor. know how to move on stage. Anyway, perfect. So we are starting a new uh, book that we springboard into because there's so many wonderful books on the, on the, uh, in our culture that support what we teach. Our teaching is in the world. This is not, the, you know, we're, we're not one place that does this. We're just a place that does this. And, we, and, as, and as we say in our introduction, we honor all teachings because we're really not here about convincing anyone of the merit of this teaching. People, it's either a good fit for people or it isn't. And we just thank you for stopping by. Maybe you'll be here one day. Thank you for visiting and checking us out. And, but for, for many people, it's our spiritual home. I've been on this path for over 20 years now. And so we, we are using the universe's calling by Dr. Eric Butterworth. Dr. Eric Butterworth was a unity minister, and unity is our first cousin. Uh, the, the unity church and Dr. Ernest Holmes, who was our founder, studied with the same teachers, taught the same things. The unity movement is about 50 years older than our movement. And actor, Dr. Butterworth was actually from Manitoba, if you didn't know that. And he taught for many, many years in New York City prolific writer, brilliant speaker. So he wrote this book called The Universe is Calling, and it's really about prayer. So today's lesson is really about the pitfalls of prayer, which is pretty inspiring, you know, to come and hear about the pitfalls of prayer. I want to know about the pitfalls of prayer, don't you? So what I know about life is that things, things happen around us. If we look on, we read the newspaper, or if we've seen the television, and I know some of you don't do either of those, but in, this, in the United States they're doing a thing right now called fear and anxiety, which they've been doing a long time. For a long time, it was about terrorists. I'm an American, so I can speak to it a little more. And I was there when, when some of this started. I've been here since 2002. Anyway, so there, now we're doing financial crisis. So things happen around us, and things happen to us. And we're, if we're involved and in, attached to that in some way, then it's more personal. But when I know about all that, it's, it's that too shall pass. There's things that have, you know, there are things that have happened there that are, that are aberrant. There are things that, that people have decided that... that uh, um, gathering is more important than people. So the more I have, the safer I am. And, there's, and, and that mindset creates that aberrant gathering. Because at some point in time, there's things other, other to do than gather, there's other things. And what happens is that becomes a priority and then people become less of the priority. And when people aren't our priority or it's not in balance, then things happen like there's, uh, um, things are valued in ways that don't represent true value. And that's some of what's happened there. So what we know is that, that with that, that has happened around us. It may have happened to us. But despite that, and I use that as an example because it's so fresh, the only thing that I know that has any merit in my experience are the things that are happening within me. And I think if you look through history, all of the great avatars, avatars, spiritual masters, Jesus of Nazareth, the Buddha, Muhammad, 
Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Oprah. Some guy asked me one time, he was doing the carpet, said, do you guys worship Oprah here? I said, well, sometimes we do. <laughs> sometimes. I'm trying to get her here to speak one Sunday. But anyway, what I know is the only thing that I, can, that I have any um, influence Influence is leadership. The only place I have any influence is in what, hap what happens within me. So we have six pillars that we teach here all the time, and I haven't talked about them in a while, but they are prayer, meditation, celebration, service, selfless service to God, which is really selfless service to one another, education, and circulation. And part of what we do on Sunday is we celebrate. We celebrate who and what we are. We come together and we, in this, we celebrate the music. We celebrate the words. We celebrate the prayers. We celebrate the consciousness. We circulate if we don't, if we contribute here in the circulation and we take that and we use that and we put that to good work or we, we want to support other things. As I mentioned, our gala coming up, it's a way that we, we celebrate and circulate. And also we have many volunteers here that are in service. And today we're in this month with this book or for the next period of time because I let that be very organic. If it's still real alive for me and there's a lot of things I would like to speak to in that, that, that particular book, I may go you know, six or eight weeks with a particular book. But what I know is, is that we're, we're talking about prayer right now because there's so much confusion about prayer. prayer. People get into our classes and they ask me all the time, I don't know who I'm praying to anymore. I haven't a clue who I'm praying to anymore. I said, well, who were you praying to before? Well, I was praying to God. Okay, well, this is a very interesting idea, this idea of praying to God. Anybody here ever prayed to God? Have you ever begged God? Have you ever found yourself laying face up on a bathroom floor saying, please, God, let this go away, son. I'll never do this again. <laughs> So there's three things that you'll hear repeatedly here in probably every discussion of this, every, every lesson that's ever presented, maybe not by me, but by perhaps a, one of our other ministerial members or a guest speaker. There's three principles. Number one is what we believe, which is different, a bit different than, than some of the other teachings in the world, is that we, that we live in God. We live in God, and God lives in us. There's no place that God is not. And if you want to look to traditional scripture, if you look in the Old Testament, it's be still and know that I am God. It's right there. It's right there. And then what happened? What happened? Do you realize that the, that book was written, 2000, started 2,000 years before the birth of the teacher Jesus of Nazareth? And, it, and, and it, they stopped the final edition. Now, it was probably, they probably should have known it was a bestseller. They should, probably should have planned to keep it going like movies, you know, like Bible 1, Bible 2, but they didn't. At 200 A.D., they stopped. That information stopped. And so, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just good to keep that in mind as we move forward. Have we had no discoveries, no insights, no flashes of, of inspiration that have moved us beyond perhaps some of what that, and many still read it and interpret it literally. But it says right there, Be still and know that I am God. Jesus of Nazareth said, These things I have done, ye shall do an even greater. Who was he talking to? Who was he talking to? I think he was talking to you and I. That's number one. We live in God and God lives in us. Number two, we are divine. The divinity of ourselves, man and woman, divine. We are divine. And for many people, when you say that, I've had people say to me, you know, you guys are the ones that think you're God. I'll say, well, as a matter of fact, I think you're God. <laughs> so, huh, have that. But I mean, it's, you know, you take a little bit of information, and we all do this, and I've done it. Take a little bit of information, and all of a sudden we can write a whole book about it. We become experts. 
because we claim our divinity, because we know God lives in us, does not make us the totality of God. Dr. Ernest Holmes said, who would want that responsibility? My God, I got my hands full finding a parking spot at Walmart on Tuesday afternoons, you know what I mean? <laughs> but who would want that responsibility? Think about it. That is not what we are proclaiming, but we, we are proclaiming our connection, our immersion in this energetic vibration that is the infinite, that is the divine, that is non-local. As Deepak says, it's everywhere in general, but nowhere in particular. And so what we know from our science now, which is the last 200 years, that when you study an electron, the person that's studying the electron influences the outcome. Is thought creative? Is consciousness influence? If you show up angry, frustrated, re and you know, ready to fly into a rage, do you think people know? You know, as your face is red and your teeth are gritted like this, and oh no, I'm happy today, I'm doing really good, I'm so happy, I'm perfect, whole, and complete. Okay, well, we're all going to stand down the hall for a while until that this moment of perfect, whole, and complete passes. In fact, you know that at General Electric, the, there's, these, there's these jokes, there's these standing jokes. When I was doing the construction work, we'd get a new guy, okay, and I was a uh, carpenter for many, many years, still a carpenter, still fix things around. So the stage I stand on, I built, is York here? York and I and, and the guy, the other guy that helped us got deported. I don't know what happened. York has the story, but... Um, but he helped us. Had nothing to do with here. But um, um, we would hire a new carpenter. We'd bring a guy in, and so we and, and I never did this. I didn't think it was funny, but you'd watch it. So when I was boss, we never did it. But early on in my, my tenure in that uh, profession, the guy would come in, and the boss would say, "Here's the credit card. Go down to the rental yard, or go down to the rental yard. We got an account and get a board stretcher." And, you know, this guy's got his new work boots on and his new jeans, and he gets in his truck and he drives down and he calls back. Half hour later, says, they don't have any board stretchers down here. And we'd all laugh because there's no such thing as a board stretcher. <laughs> and the guy'd come back and he'd be, you know, and that whole hazing thing that went on. Or the sky hook, you know, this invisible sky hook that we'll grab. And so at General Electric, when they'd hire a new engineer, the first thing they would assign him in a particular department, they'd say, okay, we want you to frost the inside of the light bulb, which at that point in time was impossible. Nobody could figure out how to frost the inside of a light bulb. So they brought this new guy in, and they said, you've got to frost the inside of the light bulb. And he comes back two weeks later, and he says, got it figured out. Here's the frosted light bulb. And they're all like, because they knew it was impossible. And all of a sudden, a consciousness that showed up, an awareness that didn't have any idea it was impossible, frosted the light bulb. Now when you buy a light, every light bulb up here is frosted. But at one point in time, they couldn't figure out how to do it, and how to do it safely and, and, and you know, cost-effectively. So it's a great metaphor for us in life because what we're doing here, we are in a, this tradition is called new thought. And it, whether it's unity or a centers for spiritual living or wherever it may be, new thought is just simply that, that, yeah, this is great. What we have is great and wonderful, but there's new ideas that are always pressing themselves forward. It's the nature of the universe. Dr. Ernest Holmes called that the divine urge. So as we're moving along, we have experiences and, and we, you know, we reach certain levels, we reach certain levels. There's, more, there's always more to do. There's always more to express. And that's a good thing, because we can, we can enjoy that. And it's not a pressure. We can, we can make it a pressure, we can make it an obligation, but it's just the nature of life. And the third thing is that thought is creative. Thought equals faith. Your thought, your thought is, is your faith. Your thought tendency. Each of us has a thought tendency. Some total of thought tendency. And so prayer, the way we approach, prayer is not something we do to God. I was raised in that tradition. I begged and pleaded for a number of years and got what I got. 
And it's not a ceremony we, permit, we perform for God. There's not a ritual that we perform. When we walk the labyrinth, we don't walk it for God. It's not to God, but it's a consciousness of the infinite. Whatever you want to call it. If you don't like the G word, use spirit, use Gary, Jim, Bob, Sally. doesn't care. This infinite presence does not care what it is called, obviously, or it would have said something a long time ago. It would have complained. Prayer is self-reflection. It is self-expansion. It is getting prayer, the way we approach prayer, is getting re-centered within and re-establishing in the flow of the infinite creative process. So prayer is not about some exterior activity of, of, of how we're going to impress or how we're going to uh, um, do anything in particular other than the shift and change that's going on within us. Some prayers come naturally. In, in some African traditions, they'll find a stone and they'll toss it onto a, onto a votive pile of stones, and that's their prayer. They have the Buddhist prayer wheel, the Tibetan prayer flag. The Indian fakir will, will lay down on a bed of nails, and the Canadians and the Americans will nail a horseshoe above their door. For, and it needs, I was told after the first service it needs to be facing up so it can receive, so if you're going home to do that today... And I've got a whole gross of uh, horseshoes I brought in so we could sell them to you on the way out today. <laughs> I really don't. Please don't go to the bookstore looking for horseshoes. <laughs> so, but many people feel prayer is a formula. You know, it's a bargaining chip with God. I'll do this. I'll never, you know, as I said earlier, looking up at the ceiling and praying and pledging, you'll never do it again, whatever it may be. It's, it, it has nothing to do with prayer. Consciousness is awareness. And everything has to do with that awareness. And we believe in affirmative prayer. We believe that we start somewhere and if we're not there yet, we borrow someone else's belief system to support us because we are connected. Because of the oneness of life, I can say to a practitioner, you know, I'm struggling in this area. Could you support me in this? This prayer card that we've given you, you know, say that once a day. And when you say it, just say it, just say it from a perspective. First thing, prepare yourself to say that prayer. Mine's up here somewhere. I'll find it. If it's not, someone will throw me one up here, I'm sure. Here it is, got it. But when you have this, you know, we've asked you to take this prayer home. And give it some thought when you take it on. This is a, the Center for Spiritual Living Edmonton is a spiritual home to thousands who seek spiritual insight, inspiration, and empowerment. This, place is, is a, this home is a place of beauty. It is a place where love reigns supreme. It is a place of cooperation, mutual admiration, and helpfulness. It is a home of prosperity and peace. It is a home of confidence and faith. It is a home of joy and healing. And so it is. It's a very powerful prayer. And as you do it for us, we, we celebrate this in community. It'll be, it'll be fun. Don't feel any pressure around this. Feel joy around this. If you're not praying from that place of joy, it's work for you. Don't, don't bother. And what happens too is it creates that, that spiritual prototype, that mental equivalent. And it must show up in our experience. As you're affirming this for us, you're affirming it for yourself. It's a simple, it's a wonderful affirmation. But affirmations are not repeating things over and over again, hoping they will happen. What affirmative prayer is, it is accepting the truth of the omnipresence and the ever-presence of the good you desire. It already exists. If you desire it, it already exists. If it's good. Now, there are things that we can desire in our lives that are not in others' best interest. It's not living out of integrity. It's looking and saying, you know, is this good? Is this, there's no private good. If this is good for me, it's good for everyone. So it doesn't mean, this is not a teaching that says everything goes. As a matter of fact, I think the road gets narrower, narrower and narrower as you're on this path. 
laying claim to it by a word of truth that says yes to its outformation in your life. That's what, an, that's what effective prayer means. It is discovering ourselves as individual expressions of the universe and to know that there is a kind of personal prayer that is turning within and knowing our oneness with the source and through affirmation, not supplication, giving way to the creative process. Emerson challenged us to break with the God of tradition that God may fire us with His presence or its presence. To break, that's our challenge, is to break with the God of tradition, to to allow that presence to fire us, our awareness. In The Universe is Calling, Dr. Butterworth talks about the progression of belief. And when, when, you know, centuries ago or, you know, thousands of years ago, the sun, they worshipped the sun. Because without the sun, you couldn't grow the crops. And so the sun was a good thing, and the rain, and all of these things, because people knew that. And so they tried to find ways to appease the, the sun and the rain and the, and the favorable climates, because that meant survival and the bounty of hunting and all those things. And then as, as, as we became more less nomadic, we started creating cities and villages. All of a sudden, there were, in the tribal system, where you have the shaman, you have the, the medicine man, that would be the, the intermediary between you, you and God. And that tradition carried over into what we call in, in the idea of popular church or spiritual community. That um, the minister, the bishop, the pope would be the intermediary between God and you. We don't teach that. There's no intermediator between you and God. There's, that's not required. And so another person cannot breathe for you. Another person cannot pray for you. Practitioner can hold the high watch for you, but you can work with a practitioner and you can walk out of here. If you're struggling in an area of your life and you can ask one of the practitioners for prayer support, if you walk out of here and you go right back into that habitual spin of negativity and anger and frustration, you've undone all that work. The only thing you really do is, is contact that practitioner again and ask for support. And say, you know what? I just need, I, I forgot. I need your help. Went right back into the spin. And that's part of it. It's part of retraining our thinking. It's part of retraining and looking at, at how do we train ourselves into a, a, a better quality of thinking. Because you know what? It's easy. It's, it's a very easy, and I, and I honor all traditions. And if you go to the depth of any tradition on the planet, they all say the same thing. You've got to take it deep. You can't just bounce off the surface. Just don't take a piece of it and decide you got the whole thing. Because it never ends, and it's deep, and it's wonderful. Well, Laura and I went and saw that movie by Bill Mayer, Maher, The uh, Religious. And it's a wonderful movie, a documentary, and he, and he interviews, and it's very funny. And he make, you know, I mean, he's, it's a comedian, so it's intended to be funny, and of course he makes fun of people, but he makes fun of everybody. But it's a wonderful insight into how we get entrenched in a certain way of believing. This box is our box, and this is the only way. It's one of the things that always kept me coming back, because people kept saying, well, just go. If you don't want to be here, go. You don't want me? No, you, we want you, but if you want to go, go. Well, that's confusing, because I was always told I had to be there or I was going to end up somewhere very hot for a very long time. <laughs> but what it was is Dr. Holmes said, God left us here. The infinite left us here to discover ourselves for ourselves. And so that discovery is so important. In the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna is talking to Arjuna. And Lord Krishna and Arjuna, the, you know, that's that, that's that higher self and lower self is what it represents. And he says, the mind is indeed restless, Arjuna. It is indeed hard to train. But by constant practice, the mind in truth can be trained. And when the mind is not in harmony, the divine communion is hard to attain. 
But the man whose mind is in harmony attains it if they know and if they strive. It's difficult. It is difficult. Because what happens is our, our thinking gets distorted. And it takes time for us to get, get on track with that. It takes time for us. If we've, we've had a, a pattern that, that God is somewhere out there and, that, and it's 50-50, I might get lucky, that kind of idea. And I think that if we have lack and limitation in our lives, this is a wonderful teaching to, to, to take on because that's ours to master. If we're struggling in an area of career, if we're struggling in an area of, of finances, a relationship, whatever it may be, as we shift one area, everything shifts. And that's important. It is not to discount that. But what my journey, and I came here with all of those goals in mind. When I came in the doors of one of these centers for the first time in my life, and I had the whole list, I had the grocery list of needs. But what I found was I was, I was praying, I was still praying for my ego and the demands, the small demands I had in my life. And I had practitioners that would work with me. If I was struggling with cash, they'd work with me. If I was struggling with opportunities, they would work with me. There's nothing wrong with that. But pretty soon all of that stuff started to grow and it became, it became my unconscious competency to have it in my life in some capacity. All of a sudden, there was enough. All of a sudden, there were opportunities. All of a sudden, I had great love in my life. I had great friends. There were just wonderful opportunities. But it, was, it took a number of years for me to sort of get my life into balance because what happens for us is we get out of balance. And what we all seek is that balance. I think we all seek to feel and appreciate and be loved. What happens eventually for us on the journey is that all of a sudden we realize it's not so much about filling our cup anymore as it is about sharing and giving. It's a wonderful quote in here by John Welshon from Gandhi. We actually spelled Gandhi's name up there incorrectly to see if you'd catch that, so I just want to let you know that that was intentional. It was not a mistake. Gandhi said this, We are born to serve our fellow man. We cannot properly do so unless we are wide awake. You know, to be aware, to be wide awake. There is an eternal struggle raging in man's breast between the powers of darkness and of light. And he, and he who has not the sheer anchor of prayer to rely upon will be a victim to the powers of darkness. See, we, we need prayer in our lives. We need to be able to affirm and know who and what we are and remind ourselves, not a beseeching prayer, but a prayer that grounds us in that awareness and that connection and that knowing wherever we are. Because sometimes my prayer is just yes. Sometimes my prayer is yes. That's the five steps, the seven steps of treatment I need right now is yes. Because I'm just so open and I'm so grounded in the peace and the power and the presence of the moment. And sometimes I have to do with all the steps and I go through it and I have to convince myself. Because there are times I get pulled out of it. A person of prayer will be at peace about themselves and, about, and with the whole world. You know, there's crisis going on everywhere. But you know, there was, there was a boom going on a few years ago down there and it, I'm not sure if it affected my life or not. I kept doing what I was doing. I'm going to show up on Monday morning and I'm going to do what I'm doing. So I'm not sure how this is going to play out in our lives. But what I do know is I'm grounded in the peace and whatever shows up, it'll show up. And I know I have everything I need in the moment to handle it. And if I'm asked to do something that I wasn't expecting, I'll do it. If I can't do it, I'll ask somebody else to help, whatever it is. A lot of options, a lot of possibilities. But I'm at peace with the whole thing is the point I'm making. The man who goes about the affairs of the world without a prayerful heart will be miserable and will make the world also miserable. So are you walking around miserable? Because you don't have to be. See, I think it's so much fun to be alive. I, I just love this adventure of life. I love being in this community and watching people grow and watching people struggle and, watching, and having the hard conversations with people. 
But I realized that's my opportunity. I used to say, oh boy, I got you know, five people I got to talk to this week about stuff. And now it's like, I get to talk to these people. And there's so much to learn every time we get to sit together and we have a conversation. And there's a joy in it. Because what happens in those conversations, we find the common spirit. Beneath the words and within the words and upon the words, there's a common spirit. And mo- more times than not, that happens. And that's a beautiful thing. Because their beauty is shining forth and I get to share my beauty. And it's not mine anyway. This life isn't mine. See, I've, done this, I've been in this teaching for long enough to know that this, <laughs> I, if I, the only way to be, that I can live this, this journey is to give it all up because this life, this life belongs to the infinite. And I know that. And sometimes I try to pull it back, say, no, 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 I don't want to go down there. I don't want to go on that ride right now. And, and yet I trust and know that I'm where I need to be all the time. You know, if you're struggling right now, whatever it may be, that's your blessing. That's the thing for you to master. You master that? That's incredible. The, the healing and the shift and change. And that doesn't mean earning anything because you are still unconditionally loved. We are born into this experience and so many of us is, are, are told that you know, we have to earn our good to become worthy. I mean, when I was born, it was a, it, the, the competition, the contest started immediately to earn favor. You know, I mean, we were like, we were like starving, starving people in our household for affection because we're so, you know, we're so afraid to love one another. And my mother, and she's a beautiful person, she was just scared that if she loved us, if she showed love publicly, in some capacity, it would send us spinning in a, in a direction that was inappropriate because she wasn't comfortable with that, that level of, sharing that. So it was really about the rules and the structure and the behaving and the punishment. And the more that we fed that energy, the more reasons we found to act out so we got to engage in more punishment. So we, we, we did that dance. But without that early training, I wouldn't have found this. When I found this teaching, I thought, oh my God. You mean it's okay to be happy? It's okay to be happy and to love one another in a healthy way to say, I tell my mom every time I talk to her, She's always trying to sell me Zango juice, by the way. Do you ever drink Zango? She's, she's 87 years old. Every time I call her, she tries to sell me a case of Zango juice. I say, Mom, I, I still got, I got three cases already. I can't drink, the, I got enough to drink the rest of my life. Okay, just checking. But I always tell her I love her. I say, Mom, I love you. At the end of every conversation. Because we didn't, we didn't hear that as kids. But you know what? My gift is to give that back to her. And my dad, the same way. My dad died, when I came here, my dad died about six months after I was here. I was living in the basement here when my father passed away. I told him I loved him every time I talked to him. He wouldn't know what to say. He go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, bye. <laughs> he couldn't, there was no place for it to land. But I, you know what? It didn't keep me from sharing it. And I meant it sincerely and I didn't do it to, in, I didn't do it to ins, insult them or make him uncomfortable. I just wanted him to know that I get it. We get it. We're here to love. We're here to share our good. We're here. It's a wonderful. Uh, there's a wonderful book called. Uh, once again, this is from the, when prayers aren't answered by John Wilshon. And there's a wonderful book called Twelve Vital Ties That Open Your Heart, Lengthen Your Life, and Deepen Your Soul. And I'm going to buy it, and, and we'll see if we can use it for a, a book of the month sometime. And there's a there's a um, extra from it here. It says that, and this is from um, um, Dr. Edward Halliwell. 
Hallowell, and he's a psychiatrist, and he says, I can always tell when my patients are starting to get better. I can always tell when my patients are starting to get better because they start to increase their connections. They see more of their friends, or they deepen their relationships at work, or they rediscover an old interest like gardening or sailing. Or they start going, excuse me, or they start going to religious services, or they get closer to their extended families, or they start having more fun with their immediate family. Far more telling than financial gain or other kinds of trophies, increased connection reflects improved emotional health, and it also creates it. See, we want to isolate. I think that one of the things that we do as as, uh, individuals, we isolate, and especially with with people that we attract into our movement because we think so independently. And because we think independently, we think no one thinks like we do. There's nobody in the world that thinks like I do. And that's not true. We think we're alone. And so it's important. Community is important. And and, and we're giving birth, as I I continue to say here, but we are. We're giving birth to a consciousness. And it gets reflected in the experience. And it's a beautiful thing to celebrate. I look forward to this so much each Sunday because I know that I get to remind myself of what I know to be precious and worthwhile. What is the heartfelt need that I can speak to this day? What is calling me? I was telling Laura the other day, I've been having dreams, and every once in a while, in the middle of my dream, all of a sudden it sounds like a doorbell rings. And it actually wakes me up. And many times I've gone down to the front door to see if somebody's right. It's so bright and clear. And I just, and, and the other day I, I was having a dream about my daughter and the, and the doorbell went off and I woke up and I looked around and she was sound asleep and I realized, I listened a while longer and, no, no, and I realized I needed to call my daughter. But it's just, it's interesting when we're awake and aware and, and how we're informed at times, how we're guided in times. Now, there wasn't a voice in my head saying, call your daughter, but I, just, I was having the dream and the doorbell went off. So I called her. And um, there was nothing particular going on. We had a nice visit. But there was something, I think there was something beneath that. There was a need for connection, probably for, for me. And so I got the message. I got the, see, God is in you, not as a raisin in a bun. Okay? If that's how you think of it. God is in you as the ocean is in the wave. And as we get a greater perception of our relationship to the universe, there is no one to pray to. There is only a universal flow to get into, a spiritual energy to pray from. And that's why it's important for us to prepare ourselves when we pray. Not for me, for you. And the competition is over. Let's make peace with that. There's nothing to earn. You are worthy. You are the divine. That thought is creative. And it takes a period of time to unlearn it. We hired Weedman this year. You know Weedman? W-E-E-D-M-A-N. They come over and they fertilize your lawn and they, you know, they get it all working. And so Laura and I were, well, she didn't know about it. I hired him. And so halfway through the summer, and we have a lawn that looks like the Mojave Desert. I mean, it doesn't even look like real grass. It's so, you know, you'd worry about falling on it that you'd just puncture yourself everywhere because it was just that brown, dry sticking up. And I thought, you know what? Let's, and there's no way to water. I mean, I don't know who figured it, designed our home, but there's no water spigot at the front, so you have to drag like 200 feet of hose out there to sprinkle. It's just not well thought out. But anyway, I got Weedman on board. And so Weedman starts showing up every month doing their thing, and nothing was happening. And Laura says, you know, we're paying those guys. Nothing's happening. This is, you know, they're getting ripped off here by Weedman. 
you know, I'll call those guys and tell them, hey, what are you doing out there? Cause then, you know, so all of a sudden, in the last month, month and a half, all of a sudden, because she'd say, look at the neighbors. The neighbor's lawn is greener than ours, and they're doing nothing. You know, I'm, well, you're right, honey. And I didn't know what to say because I'd never hired weed man before. I thought, okay, I blew it. And I had prepaid them, so it wasn't like I could stop. But, you know, if you prepay us, big discount. Great, I'll do that, you know. Anyway, in the last month and a half, our lawn looks like somebody sodded it. It's green and lush. It's like, is that the same grass? Because I know they didn't sod it. But it took about four or five months because that grass had been so devoid of, that lawn had been so devoid of nutrients, it took a period of time for it all of a sudden to start thriving. And it takes time for us when we start to be exposed to these ideas, this idea of an exterior God that we pray to, that we beseech and ask for favors that's arbitrary and, and capricious. You know, we might get lucky, he might, he might hear us. I mean, how, and how does a God like that, a man God, an anthropomorphic God, hear everyone at one time? That's what I want to know. The thousands and thousands of prayers. It's not shifting God, it's shifting us. And so it took a period of time for that lawn to thrive. It takes a period of time, but we have to nurture it. We have to give it the nutrients. We have to give our minds. If you're not hanging out with people that are stretching you spiritually, find some people that will stretch you spiritually. I do. That's my commitment to the sea. I can, I can, 90, 95% of what I do here, anybody can do. 95% of what I do, anybody can do. The 5% that I bring to this, what, what I know that I bring to this is, I, it is, it is up to me to keep my spiritual practice and my spiritual life vital and alive and dynamic and thriving. It's up to me. And if I don't pour the, the right nutrients into it, it, it starts to, go, to, to die. I'm the only one that can be a husband to my wife. I am the only one that can be a father to my children. I'm the only one that can decide when I sit down to have a meal what I'm going to put into myself, how I'm going to nurture my physical body what I'm going to read, what I'm going to expose my mind to, what ideas I'm going to say, yes, that's for me. And if someone comes, you know, people can come in here. I, I meet people all the time that, that don't agree with what we teach. And I'm okay with that. I said, bless you. We honor what you teach. Because I'm not here to convince them. I'm only here to convince me. If I can convince me, the rest is easy. And to honor them and not have to get into a battle with them. Because there are people all over the planet that say, you guys are wrong. I said, thanks for sharing. How am I going to convince them? What words am I going to put to that, to that opinion that's going to change their opinion of what we are? We're a teaching, if you look at the back of the card that stands for all these things. We, we believe in a world that works for everyone, where all the resources are used wisely, that we can live in balance and harmony with one another, that we can actually have peace. Last week, we had 40 children downstairs. We're exposing them to this idea. We have about that same amount going to our teen group now. When they go to summer camp, their lives are changed forever. I've watched... My children go through it. Their lives are changed. When we're passing that tin around here, it's not like I say because it's convenient to, that they're not around for a while. It's, it's changing lives. And I know that that's happening for you. We had a member here that told me, I want to live in Hawaii. I want to get married and move to Hawaii. And she started working with a practitioner. And all of a sudden, she got, she got an opportunity to go work in Hawaii. The next thing, and I'd see her every three months because she was going to Hawaii all the time. Got a job in Hawaii. She's back to let you know. Well, they don't have as good a church there as we have, but I'm loving it. And I said, great, go, go. And the next thing I know, she says, I'm getting married. I said, great, great. In Edmonton, no, in Hawaii. Everything she set up to, to demonstrate in her life, she brought into her experience. But she created the mental, spiritual prototype to allow that. It had a place to land. But she had to do the work. And it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in two days. It didn't happen in two weeks. It took her about a year. She's living in Hawaii now. And I'm sure she's probably using the same principles to thrive in her experience there because there's always more to do, more to know. So I'm going to ask you this week, when you take this card with you, 
And, and please share it, share it and support us in that and, and know it for yourselves as well. I'm going to ask Brown to come on up and, and doodle here. So let's just know this together as our ushers come forward. Once again, let us take the energetics of what we shared, these words that have, have resonated between you and I that we've, we've conveyed back and forth to one another. Let us know that that is a reminder at the deepest level of being of the truth of who and what we are. And it's beautiful and powerful and wonderful. Let us know that, that we are teachable that our consciousness and our way of being whatever it may be if it is limiting in any way may we open to the bigger idea may we be a presence and a power for good in our own lives in the lives of our family and friends may we move into community into connection to reflect and support ourselves in being healthy may we share our good whether it be financial or emotional our time talent and treasure whatever it may be May we understand that our, our finite and brief period here is an opportunity for the expression of the infinite by means of each and every one of us. Let us know that the gifts we share this day as our ushers stand, as our musicians come forward, is to continue to celebrate the, the, the programs, the current programs and the programs that are yet to emerge, the, the way that we use and, and manage facility, the way we use and manage our, our programs and our teaching and our ministries. Let us know that all that and more is supported by this collective support and it shows up financially but I know it is far deeper and grander than that I give thanks for that knowing I give thanks for the beautiful music that we share this day all the volunteers and for the consciousness that we continue to give birth to I'm so grateful and in that gratitude I release these words and once again words and once again we say together and so it is